Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Breakthroughs with Brie. Um, I want to start this episode with a little trigger warning and a disclaimer. Um, in this episode, I am going to be discussing my miscarriage story. Um, so if pregnancy loss um, is a trigger for you, ensure your own health and well-being and act however you need to when listening to this. Um, I wanted to share my story for a couple different reasons. Um, one, I feel like um, there's actually not a lot of information about what really happens um, in a miscarriage, just like in, I feel like, mainstream kind of culture. Um, and I feel like those who did feel, you know, like they had the capacity to share their stories with me before and during my experience helped me so much. Having the knowledge of like what can happen helped me feel less afraid when it when it happened to me. So even just for that simple fact of like spreading a little bit of awareness about what that can look like, I think is so valuable. Um, so that that's one reason why I want to share the story. Um, another reason I want to share this story is because I felt the desire of a lot of people that wanted to support me during that time. And so another part of this episode will be about my recommendations for how to be supportive of your loved ones if they're going through this kind of experience. And frankly, you can probably apply this advice to other difficult times that don't have explicitly to do with miscarriages. Um, what felt really supportive, what some things happened that didn't feel so supportive, um, and just general advice, which I think makes this episode for everybody because the chances of you um, knowing somebody who might experience some sort of pregnancy loss is very high. I think they say like three in five women experience a miscarriage. And I think that data is just for women who are trying to get pregnant. That doesn't even count unintentional pregnancies and people who might elect to terminate pregnancies, um, which I don't, I don't have that experience, um, having that kind of experience, but I'm sure it, it mirrors some aspects of having a miscarriage. Um, so whether you might have a loved one that has goes through those experiences, or if you're a woman and you intentionally or unintentionally find yourself pregnant, the chances that this might be your experience, unfortunately, are um, kind of high. So I definitely encourage people to, even if you don't want to hear like the details of the miscarriage itself, maybe skip to the section about um, what I recommend to people supporting others. Um, and then the last thing that I will definitely be talking about is some of the like lessons that I learned, some of the very deep spiritual growth that I had in that time, because there was a lot of it. Okay, so that's what we got in store. Um, yeah, I don't know what this will hold. I'm recording this before I actually go into the rest of the story. Um, I can already feel you guys sending me love. Ooh, I already feel that. Ooh, if this might be a little bit of an emotional one. Um, I feel, I feel the love everybody's sending me. And I just want you to know that I feel that even before I start recording. So thank you for sending that. And, um, let's get into the episode. All right, everyone. Um, so this first part of the episode um, I am going to share some specifics about like what that experience looked like for me 
um, even a little bit physiologically, um, because I feel like that's so like that kind of information is really important. So if that um, I, I like, well, I will not be like overly graphic if I don't need to, you know, um, but I do think that it can be really valuable to understand again, like physically what can happen too. Cause a lot of it, I didn't know, which I think is so silly that I didn't know. It's like a woman who has the capability of getting pregnant. Like, why would I not know some of this? Right. So I'm going to share a little bit of that including some of like the details of like logistically, like what happened. Um, and I'm going to put a timestamp for when I start talking about more of like the overarching lessons I learned and how to support people in case you just want to get past this part. Um, okay, so some of the background for this. Um, I got married in 2019. And pretty much after that, um, my husband and I had decided that we wanted to try to get pregnant. And there were varying times of like how like focused we were on trying, like maybe trying to track like ovulation or something like that. And other times where we were like not preventing it, but also not like trying like intently, like to make it happen. Right. So like we'd gone through like various seasons of it, but always leaving it open and always um, like really looking forward to when that happened. Right. Since 2019. And um so yeah, so that's that had been something that had been a part of my experience. Yes, I'd gone to doctors and got tests done and heated too to make sure everything was good and everything looked good. And um, even in the like six months or a year ahead of this um, time that I'm going to talk about that I got pregnant for the first time, um, I'd been working with an energy healer and channeler who was like helping channel through some health specific information to like really help me, you know, physically and energetically just be really like prepared and healthy for that kind of thing. Um, okay, so we're in April of 2022. And um, I, for the last, like, four months had been working really hard to create my business. Um, I was working full time at a different job, like a corporate job. And in January 2022, I got the like, I got the the message and the inspiration, okay, it's time to create the business. So from that point on, creating the website, the LLC, what do the services look like, doing test runs with people, like all of that kind of stuff had happened. I had worked with um, an astrology mentor who I was like kind of training up with, but also who helped me pick like the astrology of the date I wanted to open the business, which was um, April 22nd, 2022. Um, so I was like preparing for that day, right? Um, <laughs> and, um, it was funny because, uh, I like, I pretty consistently know like the physical sensations of things that lead up to me starting my period, like usually like three days before I feel like a little more emotional than is proportional to the situation. And then two days before I'm kind of sore in my chest and like the day before I feel this kind of achy cramping, you know, like, like consistently, like at the signs kind of point to when, I'm probably going to start my period. And so um, that month I got some cramping feeling like, oh, okay, like I'm probably going to start my period in the next day or so. And um, a couple days went by and I didn't. And I remember thinking that that was kind of weird that like I hadn't like usually felt those kind of like cramping and then like not got my period. And then one of my coworkers um, at my corporate job had let us know, sent us, a, sent us a text like, oh my gosh, I took a test yesterday and I'm pregnant. And she'd been trying for her second pregnancy. And we were like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And like the culmination of these things was like, maybe I should take a pregnancy test, like just in case, like just, just to make sure. Right. And I will never forget. <laughs> I will never forget that um, I took the test 
and I watched that little line appear for the first time ever. I've been taking pregnancy tests for years, wondering what it would be like to see that line come up and um, seeing it and being in total shock. And I just want to be clear too. I really look back at some of these memories really fondly because this was the experience of my first pregnancy period. Like regardless of how it ended or like what it resulted in, like this was still like my first pregnancy experience. Um, so <laughs> seeing that positive pregnancy test, I said, oh my God, oh my God. Like I repeated it over and over again, at least a hundred times. Like, oh my God, oh my God. Like the shock. <laughs> um, if you've got pregnant before, maybe you understand this. Um, if you have not, I, it's truly an indescribable feeling to like, like to realize that that's what's happening. Um, I was elated, but I was also so shocked. I was so shocked because again, we weren't preventing it, but we definitely weren't like trying at that moment. I was like creating a business, like trying to launch that. I wasn't really like thinking about getting pregnant at that moment, you know? And I called my best friends and they were like, oh my gosh, you know? And it was just like a crazy moment. And like, I, I like did like a cute thing to tell Jin, my husband, and he was also very shocked, but very moved, you know, very emotional. Um, it was really, it was really beautiful. Um, told some other people that were like really close to me, like all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was, it was awesome. Um, so <laughs> it was funny. I, um, I like called my OBGYN shortly after that to like schedule an appointment. Um, and the first one that they had available was the day that I launched the business. So April 22nd, it was a Friday. It was like in the afternoon that day. And I was like, great cool. Like there's something kind of like synchronistic about that. Like, I love it, you know? And that was a few weeks away. What was also really cool about that time was that Jen and I had scheduled like a trip together for like, I think four days to go stay in a cabin, um, in the middle of like Yosemite park, essentially, um, national park. And so we were like gearing up to go on this like trip together, which I just felt was so again, serendipitous, like for us to get this big news and then be able to kind of retreat and just be the two of us and like, not be thinking about work, even though I was still using that time to prepare for some business launch stuff. Um, like for us to just go and spend that time together was, was perfect. I like, I definitely want to recreate that kind of scenario for whenever I get pregnant again of like being able to just go spend some quality time to like release, like let it sink in, you know? And, um, I had already got, had some books on like pregnancy, um, and like that kind of stuff. So I took them with it, took them with us. And like, it was really fun. We got to like, like read some chapters together and like, just like in real time process, the fact that I was pregnant. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was pregnant. Um, I was experiencing some cramping in those first couple of days and it was really sweet. I was talking with that friend that was pregnant and she's like, it's really normal to experience some cramping. So like, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, I definitely started to experience some of like the hormone surges. And again, like feeling emotional and like angsty in ways that were not proportional to the situations that were happening. It was really funny, but otherwise I felt really good. I felt really good. Um, and I just felt like it was just the craziest feeling to like know that I was pregnant. It was just wild. So anyway, Jen and I go on this trip. Um, I, and we go on that trip probably like a week or so after I find out that I'm pregnant. And um, while when the, like basically the day that we get there, I start spotting. And um, 
you know, they say that a little bit of spotting is normal. Um, so I was like, okay, like, we'll just wait and see what happens. And I'll tell you what, that was a test of mental discipline. <laughs> um, Cause it can be really hard when you feel um, like worried about something to not repress the worry, but also not let it like consume your whole mind. And I really just wanted to enjoy the trip. I wanted to enjoy the time. So it was kind of like, okay, how can I acknowledge that there's something about this that could be scary? Like address that, but then also like put it aside and like really be present in the moment. So like that, that trip was a, was a practice, a test of that. Um, and I did continue to spot, it didn't really get worse, but it definitely didn't decrease. Um, and we were on that trip for about like four days, I would say. So after three days, which is what they say, like on the internet is like, if you spot for, you know, two to three days, like one to three days, that's okay. But if it's more than that, you should probably go to see your doctor. So, um, on the third day when the spotting hadn't continued, I remember I had a conversation with my husband and I said, okay, it's kind of getting past that point that they say is normal. Um, and so I'm starting to feel more afraid. I am. And we just like had a really honest conversation about the fact that like we felt we felt scared. And that was really nice. Um, that was really nice to just acknowledge it and talk to him about it. Um, it didn't mean that we that like we were certain that something bad was gonna happen. Um, but it did mean that we acknowledged that there could be more going on. Um, so anyway, we get back to um, LA and um, I just decide that I really want to just go see somebody. Like I just want to go start to get answers. And I'm really happy I followed that um, that feeling um, because we go, we decided to go to the urgent care and um, they had like their ultrasound technician had already left for the day. But what they did is they took blood work. Um, and one of the things that they do to track the health of the pregnancy is they take your blood on one day and then 48 hours, they take your blood again. Um, because they say in pregnancy, your HCG levels should be doubling every day, especially in that first amount of time to indicate that the pregnancy is progressing. Um, so one of the things that they'll do to check to make sure that the pregnancy is healthy is that blood work every two days and seeing how it is. Um, and that can also show if things are not progressing. Um, it's just like an, it's just an important thing that they do, I guess. So anyway, um, they took the blood work that day, which was the Wednesday before the business launch. Um, and then they said, we'll schedule you to get an ultrasound tomorrow morning. So, um, I get the blood work. We don't have any answers. They don't give anything, you know, conclusive, but at least there's tests being run to see what will happen. Um, we go get the ultrasound the next morning. My husband takes off work to come with me. Um, even though he'd already been off work, um, which love, love for him. I was really happy he was there because, um, she measured the um the pregnancy she could see something in there and mind you this is the first time i've ever even like seeing any sort of ultrasound that has anything to do with the pregnancy it's just seeing that there's something there like but it's also for the purpose of seeing if i'm miscarrying it was a very complex experience but anyway she measured like the length of it and jen saw what she measured and like took note of it and so like we went and researched afterwards like what is the like diameter of the whatever it was it like whatever stage it was, whatever you call it, I don't think it was even probably like the gestational sac or something, whatever the term was. We went and like researched, like how big is it supposed to be at this many weeks into the pregnancy? I think at that point I was maybe seven weeks pregnant. That, that sounds about right, about seven weeks pregnant. So we were looking at like, does that 
Like we we're trying to find answers, you know? <laughs> and we looked it up and um, basically I was right on the borderline. I was like technically in the range, but kind of at the lower end of the range. So we just didn't know there was nothing conclusive, but I was still spotting. And so um, there, I was like, well, I have an appointment with my OBGYN on Friday. And they're like, that's perfect. We took blood work on Wednesday. They'll take blood work again on Friday. And like, you'll be able to get like an, an idea of what's going on. I'm like, okay. So at this point I had been spotting for about a week and I was still prepping to launch the business. Like there were still things that like needed to be done, even though, um, we were like starting to really like reckon with the fact that this really might be happening, you know, um, whole, a whole thing. <laughs> and then, um, on Friday in the morning, I woke up and I posted the things I launched the business um, which felt wonderful. And people were like, like support was just like rolling in. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. Um, and then I left for my doctor's appointment with my husband and I was so nervous. And, um, we go in and she does the ultrasound and, um, she tells us, you know, she says, um, I am concerned that this is a miscarriage. She said, there's certain structures that should be forming at this point in the pregnancy that have not formed yet. And that in combination with the fact that you've been spotting um, does make me concerned that, that this is a miscarriage. And she says, it's not something I can confirm yet. We're going to take some blood work today. Um, but um, like, we're going to take the blood work and then come back next week for another ultrasound so that we can figure it out. But okay. And she says, yeah, if you, um, you know, if this is a miscarriage, like you'll continue to bleed, you might have some cramping. Um, if you do have bleeding that is like really intense, like it fills up like a, a large pad, you know, faster than 30 minutes or something like that, um, then definitely go, like, don't hesitate, like go to an ER to make sure that there's not any sort of like hemorrhaging situation. Um, and especially cause I can't rule out an ectopic pregnancy, like based on this ultrasound right now, like, you know, if that happens, just go to the ER. Um, or you can like call and leave a message on like my phone here in the office, if there's something else going on. Um, but otherwise we just have to wait for the results and then look next week. Um, when I left that appointment, um, it went from spotting to like more like bleeding and cramping and the combination of getting that information from her, the doctor, and that I was no longer spotting, but that I was like fully bleeding and starting to cramp. Um, that felt like our confirmation that I was miscarrying. It was very sad. Yeah, it was really sad. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about like emotionally, like how I was processing um, in this next part. Um, but after that, some other stuff happened. <laughs> um, what was funny is that I was scheduled to do a energy healing certification on Saturday, but I was just cramping too badly. It hurt too much for me to like be on camera for it. And it was really sweet. Uh, Maria, the woman who was hosting the the healing I like messaged her separately and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm experiencing a miscarriage right now I can't be on um and I caught a message from her later that she saw that message and she like sent energy healing to me um and it was funny because after I got off that I like laid down to take a nap and I felt a lot better when I woke up so I thought that that was really beautiful <laughs> that you know even though 
I'd had that scheduled and I wasn't able to do that training that like something about me still going like created an opportunity for me to get a little bit of a healing from her <laughs> which I think is beautiful um so I continued that weekend having um bleeding and what's crazy about this too and this is just like a PSA for like women um some people say that miscarrying is like a period um this experience was not like that and the reason why was because I could not use anything other than a pad um like not the cups or tampons or anything like that because anything like that caused cramping like really painful cramping um so like I had to use a pad <laughs> um and that even just in that way alone not like period <laughs> just warning you sometimes it's not um so anyway, going through the weekend and on Monday, um, that next Monday, at that point, I'd been bleeding for over a week. Um, I vividly remember I had changed my pad to start and go in and cook with my husband. Like I went in and we started cooking at five. We cooked, finished, and I went to go use the restroom at six. And that pad that I just put on was full, was full, AKA the amount that I was bleeding had dramatically increased like instantly. Um, that was very scary to me, especially because I just heard from my doctor, you know, a few days ago, if the bleeding's really crazy, could be a sign of hemorrhage. So go to the ER. So I am like shocked. I go out and I tell my husband, like something's going on. Like I'd been bleeding, like maybe like more of like a normal amount but like all of a sudden it's very heavy um and I feel concerned about this it looked on the internet it was not helpful because basically like people like basically what it said is that some places say if you fill up a large pad in less than an hour it's a problem go to the hospital hospital some people say if you fill up a large pad in less than 30 minutes it's a problem and what I also learned from google was that what happens in pregnancy and miscarriage, which is, this is something I didn't know about. I think it's so crazy that we didn't know about this, that when you're pregnant, your cervix closes, your cervix closes. It's like, it like becomes real small. Nothing can get in there to protect the pregnancy in the uterus. When you miscarry, there comes a point when your cervix dilates and opens to release all of the pregnancy tissue from your body. And the way that your body evacuates pregnancy tissue is by like flooding down liquid to help catch all of the pregnancy tissue and evacuate it from your body, aka blood, right? Um, the liquid that it has available to it. <laughs> so it is actually like a um, anticipated part of miscarriages that you might experience like some sort of bleeding. So there is some sort of liquid, you know, coming from the closed cervix, but there will become a time like when the floodgates open kind of literally and when all of a sudden the like level of bleeding changes and that's just when the cervix dilates and opens to like do like the main show of evacuating pregnancy tissue I didn't know that was a thing um so when that happened and all of a sudden my bleeding dramatically changed like that like in an instant um that was really scary so for anybody that doesn't know that that is a that is a thing that happens and that also makes it different than a period um because during your period, your cervix is open the whole time. It's not like all of a sudden there's this dramatic change. 
So um, I looked at all that and I said, okay, I'm going to time this and see if my bleeding dramatically increases or decreases or like what happens. I'm just going to like kind of wait and see. Um, it was a very tense um, moment um, because we were literally like sitting in my living room, like watching the clock essentially and trying to figure out, okay, are we going to go to the ER? Thankfully, my sister-in-law was living with us at the time. So like she would have been able to stay with the dogs. So she knew what was happening. Um, you know, like all of this kind of stuff, it was like late at night too. And, and just all of it. Like I was trying to stay in touch, like with how I was feeling. Um, at that time I, I reached out to a friend of mine, um, and I, gosh, I'm so grateful for her and that way that we were in touch at this point in time. And I told her what was happening and that I was really scared about having to go to the hospital. One of the things I was scared about is I was afraid of like, like having like procedures or something done that might cause more damage um, or that was not entirely necessary that like would make it more traumatic for my body or for me. And because I just didn't know a lot about exactly what was happening physically and what kind of medical interventions would support that or what options there were because I didn't feel like I had that information that it would be harder to advocate for myself um, to feel um, like safe essentially. Um, and anyway, I got in touch with her and she said, hey, like I have a friend who's a doula and who has recently been through a miscarriage. Um, if she's open to it, would you like me to put you in touch with her? And I said, yes, oh my God, that would be incredible. Um, and sure enough, she did. Um, so I got in touch with that doula during this time. And I was kind of like waiting to see if the bleeding was getting worse. If I needed to go to the hospital, we'd also called and left a voicemail for my, um, OBGYN to let her know what's happening and just kind of get her two cents about it too. And we were waiting for her to call us back. And I talked to this doula and she gave me some of the best advice. She was wonderful. Um, she told me, she said, you know, your body, you know, your body. Your body will know when something is wrong. So I know that this is scary and that there's like a lot of conflicting information. Like when you start to feel like something's really wrong or like when you start to feel funny, like that's when you go to, that's when you go to the hospital, like you will know. Um, she also said something that I, I'm so grateful that she did. It changed my experience the rest of the night. She said, this is the labor of your baby. Um. Yeah, she said for your, like, angel baby, like, this is your delivery. And, um, you know, she's like, some people have their delivery nine months later. And it'll look a little bit different because they're having, like, a whole baby, like a whole developed, you know, human child. <laughs> um, but this is your delivery. Um, and something about looking at it like that changed my perspective because I was that crazy person, not crazy. It was not crazy. I was that person who was so excited about getting pregnant that I was already following like doula and midwife's accounts and like learning like very tangentially about concepts like hypnobirthing and like all this kind of stuff because I knew I wanted to get pregnant and like, you know, kind of like learning more about what that might look like was just something I was very interested in. So I had like very secondhand and like casually kind of learned a little bit about what some people talk about going through labor, but like I did, was not prepared in that moment to have a labor experience. And so, um, but it felt important to me to hear her say that like that miscarriage was my body, like delivering in that sense 
this pregnancy and leaving like my womb out into the world, you know? Um, and she also provided a lot of information about what might happen in the hospital and some alternatives. And like, while I was on the phone with her, I had her on speaker, like Jen was taking the notes of like all of the things they, they might say you, if there's this kind of thing, they might want to do this. You know, this is kind of what that means. If there's a situation, you can ask for this instead, but here's like some of that stuff, like just all that kind of information that felt like it helped me like, like relax a little bit, you know? Um, during this time, I also like my cramping was getting a lot worse, a lot worse, like stronger and stronger. And I usually get really strong, um, cramps during like periods and stuff. So I am no stranger to a strong cramp. They were getting real strong. Um, and so at this point, my OBGYN calls back, I'm like almost out of breath. The cramps are so bad. And at this point I had been very heavily bleeding for about two and a half hours and they say according to google that that period of time where it's really heavy bleeding um it usually only lasts like maybe three hours and i was already up on the like end of that and it was not subsiding at all so like all of that in combination and the cramping on my OBGYN said hey just to be safe go to the er it might be as simple as like there's pregnancy tissue that's stuck that they can just help pull out so your body doesn't feel like it has to keep cramping and bleeding to try and get it to like move through, you know? And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Cool. So we go to the ER at this point. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like 10 30, 11 or something like that. And the ER is full, like full of people. So busy. Um, and we check in and at this point there's still like kind of a COVID thing going on. So we got masks on, like all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, um, the cramping is bad. Like I am outside pacing, like leaning over, leaning against the wall, like in terrible pain, like doing that thing where I'm just like in the moment, like trying to get through the pain. Like, I don't even know what's going on around me. I'm like, Jen, will you wait inside in here if they call like my name? But like, I just got to be out here, like whatever. Um, it got to the point where, um, it actually felt better for me to go use the restroom and like be in the restroom. Um, yeah, it just felt better for me to be in there. So it got to the point after us being there for at least an hour where I basically just camped it in the emergency room restroom. Thankfully, there were multiple stalls. It was a very clean bathroom. It was like a full handicap stall. So I even had like a rail next to me and it had like plenty of space. So that was also a blessing. Um, but for the next probably three or four hours that we waited in the ER um, waiting room, I was in the restroom um, basically experiencing the bulk of my miscarriage. Um, what I later realized was that the cramps developed into like full-on contractions. Those were not just cramps. And what helped me realize that was not only the level of pain and intensity, but also that it came in like cycles. Like it would build and be really, really intense. And then it would like subside for a minute. And like, I would try and catch my breath. And then again, they would build and be really, really intense. And like nothing soothed the pain. <laughs> um, but like, it was really intense, you know? And um, it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy crazy time. <laughs> and I got to the point where, um, after like th this for hours, um, and passing like a lot of pregnancy tissue, that's the other thing that's an indication of miscarriage is the kind of tissue that you pass. I won't like go into more specifics about that now, if you like, for some reason are really curious and want to DM me, that's fine. But like the tissue that you pass is very different than anything that you would on your period. It has like a certain look and texture to it. Um, that like, you know, it's pregnancy tissue. So anyway, there was a lot of that, a lot of that. 
and that's a crazy experience too. <laughs> um, but anyway, it got to the point of like hours of that. Um, I was starting to feel really tired and really lightheaded and like not feeling well. So I text Jen and I was like, Hey, can you go let them know that like, I'm really not feeling well. And I decided to like go back out into the waiting room. Cause I was afraid if I was going to pass out or something, I was going to be in the bathroom and nobody would know. And I figured it was just better to be out in the waiting room, at least like with my husband. So he would see if something happened. Um, so I like get myself together. Um, I got into the waiting room. And, um, I like, I can't even sit down because I'm in so much pain. So I kneel, like I squat in front of the chair, like I'm facing the chair and I like put my arms up in front of me, like my elbows up on the sides of the chair and kind of like put my head between my hands, like squatting, leaning over the front of this chair. And, um, it was, I, I mean, it must've been just like the hormones and how exhausted I was and like everything that was happening, uh, but I just started crying. And this was like, honestly, a very difficult moment in that experience for me, because I kind of felt like I like lost control of my body a little bit. Like I just sobbed, like in the middle, I didn't care who was around me in that waiting room. <laughs> like it didn't matter. I was exhausted. And I was in so much pain. And I was scared. I was scared about what was happening. I didn't know if something was wrong. I didn't know if it was normal. And it was, um, it was really difficult. And thankfully, like at that moment, like not even five minutes of me just sobbing in the middle of this emergency room, um, they come back to get me. My, my spot is open to go back. And the nurses were so kind. God, they were so kind. They were so kind. They put me into, um, like a wheelchair to wheel me back. And I remember at that time, I just wanted to stop crying, you know, because I knew I was going to get rolled back. And I just didn't want people looking at me as I was like rolling through, you know, I didn't want to be like this spectacle, but like, I could not stop crying. Like I couldn't, like there was nothing I could have done to stop crying in that moment. Like the well had been opened, you know? And so I just sobbed as they rolled me back. <laughs> and I kind of laugh about it now because that's absurd, but like, that also was very difficult to like feel like again like you kind of like almost like feel like you lose control of your body but I also can look back now and I feel so much trust for my body and that it was doing everything that it needed to do you know so anyway they take me back into a room thankfully there was enough space that I was like in and like our own little room in there you know and again god bless those nurses because they like helped me like take off the top that I was wearing and put on a gown and like put an IV in and get me my my um wristband all while I'm sobbing like I still could not I'm just crying and they're being so kind and they're being so gentle and they get me in the bed and I can't even really lay in the bed so I start like squatting next to the bed and like leaning on the bed kind of like I was the chair when the ER doctor comes in I don't even look up at the ER doctor because I'm in the middle of one of those like pain surges and I kind of explain like you know what's happening and talk to him as much as I can and he's like okay we're gonna get you some morphine for the pain and we're also gonna get an ultrasound and see what's going on and then of course like do some blood work I was like okay whatever like do what you gotta do do what you can to help me but like I'm focused trying to get through this you know and um, I remember that they gave me the morphine and it was like, first of all, if you've never had morphine, it's a very interesting feeling. My dad had always said it feels like like sand is going through your limbs or something like there's this like heavy feeling to it. But if like I hadn't realized 
that my body had been so tense for so long because it wasn't until there was a relief from that that my it felt like my full body finally like like relaxed I have never appreciated the feeling of like a limp, relaxed body so much as I did in that moment. I was like, holy shit, thank God. And what was funny too was that it did feel relief, but I felt another surge of what I now know was a contraction happen. And I still felt it even with the morphine. It went from like feeling like at an 11 to maybe like a four. So it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't like awful. But like, I still felt a couple of them after the morphine happened and like the morphine only I mean, it helped a lot, but like it didn't totally eradicate it, which is wild. So anyway, they rolled me back to get an ultrasound. The lady was really nice. Um, and they come back and I, and you know, they took the blood work and we're just waiting for the results now. And like, I, I'm not feeling the pain of the cramping anymore. And I'm finally able to start relaxing at this point. It's like two in the morning or something like that. Like we've been there for hours. My sweet husband is like literally like nodded off asleep, just sitting in the chair, right? Like leaned the head back against the wall and is like passed out. And, <laughs> and um, they come back and, you know, the doctor says that he, and he, you know, would guess that I was experiencing like actual contractions trying to like evacuate the pregnancy tissue. But by the time that they took the ultrasound for the ER, like, like, basically all of the pregnancy tissue was gone. So like I had like done most of the actual miscarriage part in that emergency room, waiting room, bathroom. <laughs> um, and um, that like probably like the worst of the cramping was done now that I would probably still like bleed a little bit and have some um, like light cramping because it looked like there was like a little bit of remnants, but like the, the, the bulk of it. Um, had gone and that they would look at my HCG levels. They like to track the hormone levels even after the pregnancy to make sure they actually fully decrease because there are some instances where the hormone levels don't decrease. Um, and that can, um, that can be a little bit scary. That can be a little bit dicey if that happens. So it's important to like watch those levels. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I was terrified to go home because I was terrified that those cramps were going to come back. And they're like, oh, yeah, if you have cramps, just like take some ibuprofen or something like ibuprofen would not have touched those things, you know, so I was like terrified to go home and to have the pain start again. But it did not. We get home at like 3.30 in the morning and um, like, you know, go lay down to go to bed. And thankfully, the cramps did not come back in that level. Um, I still bled for another week plus after that probably a week and a half um so all in all I bled for almost three weeks almost almost a month um through that experience um yeah I went back to my OBGYN after that and we did one more ultrasound again like the, the tissue had fully passed I could confirm it like I'd miscarried the pregnancy and um, my HGG levels were decreasing as they should. Um, I will say that um, she was very kind to say like, look, this, these things are not caused by people like 98% of miscarriages happen because your body senses that something in like the genetics or the cell makeup has not gone according to plan or that if for some reason it cannot carry a viable pregnancy, it gets that indication and it immediately triggers a miscarriage process. Um, and, and it's just, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, it wasn't anything you did wrong. Like you didn't cause this in any way. Um, and that was really nice. That was really nice to hear, even though I felt that I knew that, you know, 
Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I will say too, I could tell that my body was recovering, especially hormonally for probably at least two months, if not three months after that miscarriage, like uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but I guess I'm happy that like I had had sort of like the body literacy and like the energetic awareness that I did experiencing that because like the foods that I was craving and the way that I was feeling and like my sleep and energy levels, like everything was just so different those three months afterwards. Um, it felt like it actually was a very long time for my body to like fully kind of like recover and right size after that experience. Um, even getting my first period after that was very emotional. It was very emotional. Um, I was honestly like really scared at even the thought of being pregnant after that because um, I was like terrified at the thought of having to like go through a miscarriage again. There was like some, there was some healing I needed to do even emotionally and all that kind of stuff before I even like wanted or was like open to that happening again, <laughs> which I will talk about in the next segment. Um, yeah, so that is um, some of like the like more like logistical and like actual physiological things that happened. Um, again, I share that in case you ever go through it, you know, somebody that goes through it. I'm not saying that I am the master of this information or that um, like I'm giving medical advice at all, but I do feel like sharing this kind of stuff can help. Like if I had known some of this before, I feel like I wouldn't have been so afraid that something was wrong. I feel like that information might've helped me not feel so afraid. And um, that was hard enough. Experience was hard enough without like adding more fear on top of that. Um, so just a big advocate for like understanding like physiologically what's happening and what could happen so that we all have that information to advocate for ourselves and to know um, that in combination with our bodies, like intuitive sensing um, when, when something's going on. Um, the only other thing that I will add is that I did end up experiencing another miscarriage uh, about eight months later. And that one, I didn't even know I was pregnant. Like I experienced what I thought was a period. Everything seems like a period. And then maybe three or four days after the period, I got that like burst of bleeding um, that was much less, much less intensity, like didn't need the whole hospital stay, all that kind of stuff. And they had said, oh, like just take a pregnancy test just to like rule that out to see what's going on when I called the doctor to be like, why am I bleeding out of nowhere? I just had my period, right? Um, and it, the pregnancy test was positive. Um, and I, when I went to go get an ultrasound, like basically the next day, um, again, the pregnancy tissue had already been like, had already left. Um, so I will say that that was kind of a healing experience because I had felt this, like people say it's not that bad, but it really can be that bad. I don't think it's that healthy to just say it can just be like a period, you know? Um, it was actually kind of nice to experience one where I, like, I didn't even realize I was pregnant. I didn't even realize I was having a miscarriage until that like last spot of bleeding happened and realizing that not all miscarriages are like so traumatic and painful. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have a cool story about, about that second miscarriage and um, something that happened that I'll share in the next section. But I just, again, I share that to say that like, it can look a lot different for a lot of people, but if you do find yourself in that situation where it is more painful or like there is just more going on to it, um, that that's also common. Um, 
that that's also common and it can happen. That kind of experience can happen in earlier stages of pregnancy. That first pregnancy, it was like maybe eight weeks when I miscarried. And in the second time, I would have been only like four weeks when I had started miscarrying. So like as soon as I basically, like my body registered, it was pregnant, it, it like immediately started um, the miscarriage experience, which is why I thought it was just my period. So anyway, it can look a couple different ways, but that's what those looked like for me. Um, and I will share a little bit about like how I emotionally process that, some lessons that I learned, some really cool stories that happened around that time, and also how um, you can support your loved ones who might be going through that, just from my perspective. Um, I'll share that in the next segment. All right, everybody. Um, so for this part, I want to talk specifically about some of the like emotional experience and lessons and growth and actually kind of like really beautiful stories that happened um, during those experiences. And then I want to end with how you can support your loved ones just according to like what felt super supportive to me. Um, okay, first thing, like I mentioned, like when I first started spotting and I didn't know what was happening, like if it was normal or not normal, um, a huge period of growth was that opportunity to practice acknowledging my fear about what was happening, but also still being in the present moment. Um, like it could have been so easy to be so consumed by the fear of losing the pregnancy that I didn't actually enjoy the moments of being pregnant that I had. And that moment made me realize that I, that like when, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was already like planning for and thinking about and assuming the outcome, which was like having a healthy baby and like, you know, becoming a parent and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like I was kind of like pairing the two together and like I was experiencing before I started spotting and realizing what was going on. Like the pregnancy was all about like the outcome. And when I started miscarrying and for the that week plus when I didn't know if I it was actually a miscarriage that was happening or if I was going to continue to have a healthy pregnancy, it really brought into sharp focus that it it like you're not guaranteed anything. Like just because I was pregnant in that moment and I was pregnant, it didn't mean anything about the outcome, but it also didn't take away from the fact that I was pregnant. Like my ability to honestly enjoy the fact that after years of trying, I was pregnant. Like I still was fully entitled to that experience if I could give it to myself. It didn't have to be, um, it didn't have to be diminished by my anxiety that I might be losing the pregnancy. It didn't take away from the fact that I was pregnant, you know? And so that opportunity to like realize that kind of thing and to practice like the mental discipline of like, no, like in this present moment, I'm going to enjoy what this is, regardless of what happens tomorrow or in a week or whatever. Like, I'm just going to enjoy this moment. Like me trying to brace myself for the fact that I might be losing this pregnancy, like that was not actually going to make that experience any easier. And it was only going to steal the joy that I had in the moments where I was pregnant. Um, That was a big thing for me. And I've applied that concept to my life past that. You know, like it, I've, I've just applied the moment past that. Um, some other things of during that time. Um, yeah, there was something really crazy about me getting the confirmation that I was miscarrying 
the same day that I created and launched the business. I feel like there's still going to be like meaning that I take from that and things I understand about like the timing of all of that, like later. Um, at the very least, you could say I had a lot of creative energy <laughs> I was stepping into at that time, both for my business. And that also manifested in me like actually being an open vessel to like create a baby. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there was something really crazy about like the day I'd been planning to launch the business was the day hours later that I got the confirmation that I was miscarrying my first pregnancy. Um, I think one beautiful thing that that showed me and that taught, that taught me as I went home that day and just like sat with myself and really reflected on how I was feeling, just was present with my own body and my own feelings, um, which I was very fortunate enough to have the space to do is that like me feeling so happy about the launch of my business, me feeling excited, me feeling grateful, me feeling supported, like all of the hope and happiness and contentment that I felt about me launching the business and how well that went, how well it was received. Like that was just as real and just as big as the other feelings I was feeling then that's in my body at the same time of feeling so sad and feeling grief and feeling, you know, um, maybe a little bit of like anger or um, just feeling devastated. Like all of those feelings of sadness did not diminish my feelings of happiness and my feelings of happiness did not diminish my feelings of sadness, right? Like they didn't cancel each other out. Like me feeling sad about the fact that I was miscarrying my first pregnancy did not take away from how wonderful I felt about launching my business. And how wonderful I felt about launching my business did not take away, like it didn't impact the sadness. Like me having something really sad happen that day didn't make my launch any less wonderful. And me feeling, get like having confirmation of my miscarriage didn't feel any less sad just because I had something happy, you know? So like holding the duality of that and feeling in my body the proof that you can feel two things at the same time. Like as a human, we have the capability, our body and our like consciousness has the capability of feeling two things on the opposite side of the spectrum at the same time felt um, very, <laughs> it was like proved to me in that moment. It felt so real. And that also felt like a huge lesson. Like that's kind of a part of what like being a human is, is to feel both sides of the spectrum and to learn what that's like and feel how that can expand you. You know, um, yeah, to be able to feel what, you know, people in our culture might call opposing feelings at the same time and realize that they're actually not opposing at all. That was a very profound experience that I had that actually gave me a lot of peace too. Um, other lessons, I have to say that even though that was an incredibly difficult experience, especially that first miscarriage, um, I was so moved by the shows of compassion and kindness and support by people. Like, I felt that, like, gosh, there's so much good in humanity through some of the experiences I had in that time. Like, those nurses and doctors and even the people that were at the front desk that, like, admitted us in the emergency room, 
like their kindness and their gentleness. Like when I felt so vulnerable and when I was in pain, like I can't even describe how moving that was, how beautiful that was. It made me feel so grateful for like the beauty that exists in the world, that the way that like kindness can move people and how deep of an impact that can make, you know? Like they're just going about their jobs, like they're just being themselves. And the the energy that they brought to me in that time made such a difference and made such an impact. And like, I don't know if they'll ever know that, you know? And then um, there was this other story too, that second miscarriage that I had that I like didn't even realize was a miscarriage until I had that random spurt of bleeding. I went to the OBGYN the next day. They did that ultrasound and they said, yeah, like it's already, you know, like the tissue must have already like moved through. So just go take a blood test to see if, um, like to see if, to confirm, in fact, you know, that was happening. And also so we can track to make sure that the levels are decreasing like they should, like all that kind of stuff. So I immediately go downstairs to the lab to get my blood drawn right after having this appointment where they confirmed that I had had another miscarriage and I was grappling with this kind of like, gosh, like it happened again, kind of feeling like processing it. And there's something about adrenaline. I'm sure that this is actually a thing. If I looked into it, something about like adrenaline has always made me like not be able to like hold back tears. If I'm feeling emotional, like sometimes I have that ability to kind of like pull it back in a little bit if I want to or if I need to but like when I get like nervous or I feel adrenaline like my ability to do that like goes out the window like the waterworks happen you know and I get nervous with my blood getting drawn like that's always been a thing so thank god I go in this room there's nobody else in there there's this guy that's like you know going to draw my blood and so like he prepares it and like goes in to draw my blood and I just start crying (laughs) and it's not like a full sob yet it's just like I let the tears run down my face I just kind of like look away because like I just got the news that I'd miscarried again and I was and I was like in the moment like in the exact moment of like really processing that and I was getting my blood drawn and the adrenaline and like the whole thing and he knew what kind of test it was like he could see on the order it was like an HCG blood test right so um he draws my blood and he like finishes up and wraps it And he gives me a hug. He like wraps his arms around me and he says a prayer over me without me even saying anything. And he said something to the effect of like, you know, God, I hope that you give her strength and peace. Please help help her feel a lot of peace right now. And he just said, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be okay. And he didn't say anything else. He just like acknowledged how I was feeling obviously because I was crying (laughs) and kind I would have never I would have never like um said that that's what I needed in that moment I would have never like wrote the story like that if if I just come to think of it but that was exactly what I needed and like the kindness of somebody like who's a complete stranger to like see and notice what was happening And to just extend a moment of support and, like, heartfelt kindness. Like, I still obviously get very emotional. (laughs) 
and like cry thinking about it because that was so moving. It was so kind. Like there are some damn good people in the world and a lot of them are healthcare workers. <laughs> God bless you, angels. Um, <laughs> there are angels out there for sure. And I just think it's so beautiful that again, in some of those moments where you feel the most vulnerable, that like, that like spirit can come in and show its support to you just itself and also through other people. Ah, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And it was great too, because I didn't feel like, I feel like that encounter could have easily gone into like him projecting stuff or maybe kind of going a little too far or whatever. And it was just like the perfect amount of like, I hope you have peace. Like it's going to be okay. You know? And like nothing, it just didn't need to be anything more than that. It was truly perfect and beautiful. Okay. Let me see if there's any other like big things I want to share about my experience with that before I go into like supporting others. Cause I feel like that's a really good segue. Um, I will say that that was a really wonderful experience to like continue to deepen my relationship and my trust with my body, like honoring its, its signals and what it needs and not trying to like superimpose what I think it should be doing onto what it's doing. You know, like, did I crave like food that kind of maybe was kind of unhealthy at the time afterwards? Or did I want a glass of wine? Yeah. But like, who's to say that those kind of things didn't sort of help what my body was going through, you know? And like me being able to just like honor my body and kind of just accept and like find peace, even in moments of discomfort. Like I had to find peace with like, you know, basically like miscarrying over like almost three weeks. Like you better believe that I was just so ready to it to be done with and not to have this like physical reminder of what was happening. Like I was so anxious for that to happen, but like by being able to find peace with that, like my body was still in the process. And then when it finished, I also felt the grief of losing the like physical proof that it had happened. Like it was, it was over, you know, it was, it was a very interesting thing. Um, I did work with that, actually that same doula that I spoke to the night of the first miscarriage. I did a couple sessions with her virtually afterwards to like process, um, like just the trauma and the grief of it. Um, and that was very helpful. It was so helpful. I feel like working with somebody specifically on like birth trauma, cause that's a very physically traumatic experience. I can only imagine what that's like for women we're like pushing out a whole baby and like all the things that can happen um but also like that unique experience of like losing a pregnancy too like she had some really beautiful recommendations and, and exercises like you know writing out what happened and then also writing the story of like what you wanted to happen and um we also decided to name that baby too to like give her like a full identity um I assumed it would have been a her um I, I didn't get confirmation, but I really felt like it was a girl. And um, so we named her and like gave her like an identity. And we also got like a physical like totem. We got a crystal um, to like mark her physical place in our lives, even though she didn't obviously like continue to like a full term and come through as like a little human in that go around, but like still finding a way to like honor her. Um, yeah, there were like quite a few things that were just so helpful so helpful um yeah yeah there was a lot of wonderful things so if if you have had that experience and are still um 
you know, really trying to process that or you do in the future, I very highly recommend working with somebody who um, can provide like a lot of like specific support for that kind of experience. Cause it's, it's, of course it's needed. Of course it's needed for sure. All right, let me see guides. Are there anything else that you'd like me to mention for this part? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the other thing um, that I'm feeling called to mention is that um, I, I feel like what was maybe a little bit unique about my experience is that just because I had a miscarriage and then a second one, like it didn't make me feel like I wasn't going to get pregnant. I know for a lot of women who are, you know, having some sort of, you know, struggles getting pregnant or with fertility, that like a fear is that you won't be able to get pregnant or you won't have kids. And of course, I've felt that and grappled with that at different points in my experience trying to get pregnant. But for me, I felt deep in my bones that I'm going to get pregnant, that I'm going to, that that, that is the way that I am going to have a kid. Like I just, I feel that so deeply. And I've got confirmation of that in like many different like readings and all that kind of stuff too, that like, like it, like the time will come. I don't have to be anxious that I'm not going to be able to get pregnant. Um, and I know that that's not the case for everybody. I know some people are like grappling with like the very real possibility that if they do want children, then it might not happen through like a pregnancy in their own body. And so I, I really acknowledge that a miscarriage could really trigger that fear about getting pregnant, which really also is tied to the desire to get pregnant. And like, it can bring up all of the feelings around that and make that experience even more complex than even just the experience of losing the pregnancy, which is quite enough to be getting on with, you know? <laughs> um, and for me, I didn't feel like me being sad about losing the pregnancy that did not equal me thinking I'll never get pregnant. Like I knew I was going to get pregnant. I felt hopeful about getting pregnant. I felt trust that I was going to get pregnant. And I also felt grief and loss and sadness about losing the first pregnancy. Um, yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't mean like just because you might, um, you know, be upset on some level about losing the first pregnancy. I don't think that automatically means that like you're, assuming you're never going to get pregnant or something, you know, because that, that, that wasn't how it was for me. Thank goodness. Um, because I could totally understand how that would just feel really hard to also have to face the fear of like, does this, you know, this fear, is this confirming that I'm never going to get like having to process that would, would be very difficult. Um, so that was the other element in it for me. Like the, t the difficult situation didn't have to mean like the worst case scenario was a thing. It didn't have to like feed into like a fear about it all, I guess is my point. Okay. Let's do um, how to support people next. All right. So for this last part, I want to talk about my take on how to be most supportive to somebody going through um, pregnancy loss. I'll mention a little bit about like, you know, if they're struggling getting pregnant, maybe some infertility stuff. Um, and honestly, some of these lessons could probably expand past pregnancy loss to supporting people in other hard times. And again, this is just my take on it. If you have a different opinion or perspective on what's supportive to you, that's wonderful. Advocate for that with the people in your life. Um, okay. The first thing, and maybe I'll start with like, just people trying to get pregnant in general. Stop asking people if they're pregnant. 
just stop. I don't care if you're best friends with somebody. And this is something I actually had to tell my really close friends because uh, I, this was even something that I would have done too. It's like every time that I would go get lunch with a girlfriend, like, oh my God, are you pregnant? You know, like, like ask, like, don't do that shit. Just don't do it, <laughs> please. Um, and I had to explain this to my friends why I said, look, if I am pregnant, there might be a period of time where I don't feel comfortable sharing it yet because I'm also like, there's also the possibility I might lose a pregnancy. And if I talk about it with people, that means I'm also going to have to go talk with them about if I'm losing the pregnancy. And I might not be wanting to do that with a big group of people to start off with, right? I promise if I get pregnant, when I'm ready to tell you, I will, right? But like this like awkward feeling of like you trying to guess if I'm pregnant. And if you ask me and I'm not ready to tell you, that means I either have to lie which I don't want to do, or I have to tell you something I'm not ready to tell you. Like, that's not a dynamic that I like really want for us. So I get it. You want me to be pregnant. I'm so happy for your support, but like, don't ask me, just like, wait for me to tell you when it's time. That was my opinion on it. I, and I'm just going to say this at the beginning. I understand that people's intentions are good. And if you listen to this and your first stop, it's like, oh, but I have good intention. That's defensive thinking. You don't need to be defensive. I'm not assuming anybody means bad. I'm not assuming that you're trying to be harmful. Of course, I know you're trying to be helpful. But what I'm sharing is, can you take yourself out of your own intention and realize the impact that it might have and maybe adjust your actions to take action that actually feels supportive to the other person and isn't just what you intend to be supportive, you know? Um, okay, so that would be my thing. Don't ask people if they're pregnant. Don't ask them, like, just tread carefully, you know? Um... I do. I think that there's like tasteful ways that you can ask like couples like, oh, like, what are your guys' thoughts on kids? You know, or like, like that kind of thing. Just like if you're like chatting with friends or like you're genuinely curious where you can leave it open for them to say, oh, no, that's not a thing for us. And you'd be like, cool. And like, you don't have to say more about it um, or like leaving it open to where they can say as little or as much as they want about it. Sure. You know, like, do I think you like you never ask? I don't know. But like, I think that there's a little bit um like there's this cultural norm about feeling kind of entitled to know this information about people or assuming that people will want to disclose that. And there's just so many experiences that could be happening for people that would make them not feel comfortable talking about that in that moment. So like, why would you create a need? Like, why, why would you feel the need to create that demand for somebody to share something if they might not feel comfortable doing it, you know? Definitely not with acquaintances. Please, dear God, no. Maybe with friends, too close friends. Maybe with family, a way to ask. But, you know, there's just there's a lot of nuance to that. Just consider that. Just consider that. Let them bring that to you, you know? You could ask other questions of like, what are you guys planning right now as a couple? Like what's what's ahead for you? Like what are you guys really excited about in your life right now? You know, like there's so many different ways to like be curious about a person that isn't you specifically eliciting information about a topic that can be really sensitive. Okay. Um, other things. Let's see. Um, okay. I feel like that's like in general for like couples that might be trying to get pregnant or not get pregnant or whatever. Um, okay. If you know that a friend of yours is experiencing a miscarriage or pregnancy loss of some sort. This is my two cents. I, um, what I did personally 
is that the few people that I had told I was pregnant in the first place, and I intentionally thought to myself, nobody knows I'm pregnant early on unless they are the people that I would feel really comfortable telling if something went wrong, because there's just that chance that it could in that first part of the pregnancy. Like those were all people that I, like, I, I knew that if something like, you know, it would be okay if they were in the loop about it. Didn't tell anybody outside of that circle. I asked them not to tell other people, which was not respected, but that's a whole other story. Um, so when we got that confirmation that I was miscarrying, I sent a text message to that group of people and said, hey, just so you know, like I'm most likely experiencing a miscarriage right now. Like I'm doing okay. Like physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm doing everything I need to take care of myself to be okay, but I don't have capacity to talk about it right now. Um, but I still wanted to let you guys know like what was going on and that I'm doing okay. So, um, I accept and I appreciate any love and support that you send your way and I'll keep you updated. But like, as of right now, um, yeah, I just like don't have capacity to talk about it. Right. That was what I chose to say to the people that did know about my pregnancy, because that's where I was at. I knew that I needed all of my emotional faculties and my resources to be directed to me to process that moment in a way that was healthy for me. Like I needed all my energy to like process the waves of emotion and complexity. Um, and I knew, and at least for me, it would feel really taxing to have to talk to all the other people and their feelings. Like I just didn't have space for that. And that didn't honestly feel like it was going to be supportive to me because I knew what tools I needed to use to process it. And a lot of them were things I needed to do with and for myself, you know? So anyway, that's what I told people. And so what felt supportive to me was obviously them respecting that and not them not trying to call me and all this kind of stuff. when I said, I don't have capacity to talk about it, you know, and for them to like, just send a message saying like, I'm thinking of you. I love you. You know, I'm sending all this good energy to you. Um, you know, let me know if you need anything. Like, whatever might be supportive, like, please don't hesitate. Genuinely, I'd be happy, like, whatever would be supportive. And if it's just, you know, me sending these good vibes and that's what you got and that's okay too, you know? Like, that kind of thing I think is so nice that doesn't require them to respond. Not like a, how are you doing? Like, that's such a complicated, like, question to answer for me. If, you know, like, even like any sort of response that really requires them to answer, I don't know that I would be sending that if it was me. You can leave it open to where like, hey, if you want to talk, cool. And if they want to, they'll respond to you. Um, but if not, and you just send the message and maybe you don't even get a response back or maybe they heart the message or something like that, like that's wonderful. Cool. That centers them and not what you need from them in that moment, you know? And I think that that's, that's a very like tasteful and nice thing to do. Um, let me see if there's anything else. Yeah, I feel like there can be like a little bit of a tendency to like, because you feel bad that they're going through this and you feel uncomfortable about the thought that they're in pain, that like some people they're like the common way to do that would be like to hound them. Let me call them. Let me show up. Let me do all these things. But my perspective on that is that kind of centers you and your discomfort about them going through something difficult and does not actually center what they want. So if you feel a way about like wanting to be involved to help them, like that might be about you and that might not be about them. Um, actually ask them and take their signals. And if they can't or don't want to interact with you a lot during that time, like don't take that personally. I don't take that personally. And if you feel like you might take that personally, like take responsibility for that and go process that. Because that's yours. That's not on them. 
Um, and I say that as literally having people tell me after the, the after all of this went down months later, um, that they were upset with me because I made them feel unimportant during that time. I had people tell me that, that were close to me because they felt like they should have been more involved in what was happening. And the fact that I wasn't taking calls and I wasn't like telling the whole story, like that I wasn't eliciting, like that I wasn't doing that. Um, they took that personally and were upset with me. Um, I did not feel responsible for that. I didn't think that was a me thing. Um, I still don't. Um, but like, I, you know, you're telling me honestly how you felt. Like I will, I, I noted, noted that you felt that way. I hear it, you know? Um, I, <laughs> kind of at a loss for words. I hope you don't have people in your life who are telling you that kind of thing. Um, I don't feel like that kind of thing is supportive. You know, like if somebody's going through a miscarriage, that is their experience. It's theirs. It's about them. And making yourself available genuinely to something that they want that will be helpful to them, wonderful. And if they don't take you up on that, like not like projecting like, you know, um, self-conscious feelings like onto them, it even better, even more supportive, right? Um, okay, the other things for this. Um, if you are a partner to somebody who is going through pregnancy loss, husband, wife, whatever. I cannot stress to you enough how much of an impact it made on me for my husband to be emotionally, physically, and mentally present and available through the whole experience. All of, all of those pieces. I think that it obviously is very hard because your partner is not experiencing like the physical and emotional experience of that pregnancy loss. Like they've not had the experience yet to be quite as like emotionally connected to the pregnancy at that point. Like you guys have just had a different experience. So that could be hard to like try and figure out how to support your partner who's going through that when you're not really going through it. It just feels different for you. What I would say to that is like, you don't have to feel the same things they have to feel. You don't have to experience the same things they are like in their body, in their mind, but you being actually present and available with them through every part of it is so important. Like for the doctor's appointments, him taking off work, he absolutely could have said, oh, I just took off work and things are busy. And are you going to be good on your own? Like there was a lot of appointments that happened in those weeks. No, he called in and he went in late because he had the, also I will say he had the privilege of having the flexibility to be able to do that at his shop. If you have the ability to do it, do it. No excuses. Be there. Um, That night that I wasn't sure if I was going to go to the ER, like he was not on his phone. He was not you know, distracted out with TV. Like he was present with me when I was on the phone with that doula and she, I was asking her, what can we do in the hospital without me? He even asking, he was thinking to himself like, oh, I better know this information because God forbid something happens with her. I want to have the information on hand to be able to support her and advocate for what needs to happen. Let me like think proactively here and I'm going to take notes on this information. Incredible. Like I, like that made me feel so supported that he was taking the mental initiative and being emotionally present in that scenario, being em like emotionally connected. All those nights when I was processing, feeling sad, I would turn to him saying, I'm feeling sad and he'd tell me about it. 
he was awake. He was with me. He was listening. He was asking questions. He was empathizing, right? And there were plenty of conversations that we had where I'd say, well, like, do you feel sad about it? And he's like, honestly, not a lot. Like, I don't really feel um, like quite what you're describing, but like, I understand what you're saying. And there have been times where I felt sad about it, right? Like he didn't need to feel the same thing I felt, but for every single time I wanted to talk about it, every single time he noticed that I was feeling a little bit down, he met me emotionally to be with me on that journey. I could ask him even now, like years later, well, over a year later, like, you know, can we talk about this? And he would stop everything that he was doing. If like, of course, assuming that he could and be like, yeah, let's talk about it. Like what's going on? How are you feeling? And that is like the level of connection and support that changed the game for me. Even though I was the only one physically experiencing the pregnancy loss. And of course, my experience with the pregnancy emotionally and mentally was different. I still felt like we went through it together. And I feel like our relationship was better for that experience. Like we were closer. Like it was, it, it was a beautiful thing for our relationship because we stayed so connected through the experience. And that, again, that didn't mean that he was like constantly on top of me. Like, are you okay? Are you doing something like trying to make me feel not bad? You know, because I feel like a lot of that sometimes is like you feel uncomfortable with somebody feeling upset. And so you're trying to make them not upset. There was not that kind of thing. It was just like, a, hey, I've noticed that you're kind of feeling away. Like, how are you doing? You know, like, I feel like from your partner, you can ask that kind of question. You should be asking that, you know. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about it? And when they say, and when they try and bring it up to you, put the phones down, pause the TV, sit up in bed if you're afraid you're going to fall asleep and like pay attention. Um, I, I just cannot understate how important that level of emotional mental support and like that physical and emotional presence is, at least for me. Um, and like that is more than enough, period. Um. I will say if you are the one going through the pregnancy loss, um, I understand that there might be some people that might struggle talking about how they're feeling and even being able to bring to their partner, like, like this is what's going on, like but that, that might be hard. Please get yourself support. Please, if you need like a therapist who can help elicit that out of you or help teach you some of the tools to be in touch with your emotional and physical experiences and process them, like, please do that for yourself please, you deserve that. You like, we need that kind of support. Like that is a legitimately difficult experience. Um, and I would say that for any kind of like huge traumatic or grief ridden scenario, like get yourself the help because your ability to understand how you're feeling, talk about it, process it, is imperative to you healing and not you holding on to that trauma. You know what I mean? Um, and that's really for any situation, especially from what I can speak from experience from that pregnancy loss. Um, okay, let me see if there's anything else. Um, in the workplace, I was able to take off time for both of my miscarriages. And both of my bosses knew I was pregnant. Well, not the second time because I didn't even know I was pregnant, but like they knew that I was having a miscarriage. Like no questions asked. They were like, take the time you need. What help do you need? Like, like there was no there was no weirdness or expectation for me to work at all. That was so wonderful. I'm so grateful to my bosses, both of them at that, for both of those times and those workplaces for supporting that. 
Um, and what's wonderful is the company that I was working at, they actually have it in their um, employee time off that like bereavement leave includes pregnancy loss. So I was able to tap into some bereavement leave and not just my PTO um, in the days after the pregnancy loss. I think that is so important. I hope that more companies do that. Um, so I would look into that if you um, are in maybe some sort of corporate job or something to see um, if that's available to you. That was 100% what I needed, 100% what I needed. I'm very grateful for that. Um, and again, like coming back into the workplace, um, just like, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? We've been thinking of you. If you've, if you've ever want to talk, let us know. And um, also there might be a little bit of ramp up time. That was another thing maybe I wish that I would have, I would have like given myself more credit for like my, like, again, my body and my energy levels and just things were like still um, like they were still adjusting. So even after I took maybe like a week off or something like that, after the actual miscarriage from work, like coming back, I, I kind of wish that I had maybe acknowledged that I wasn't at a hundred percent. That doesn't, that, that didn't mean I wasn't going to give a hundred percent of what I had when I was working, but like, I wasn't at a hundred percent. Um, so maybe like, you know, since I, I do really did have supportive bosses at the time about that. Um, like if maybe if I had found a way to like talk to them about that and like, you know, be a little bit more, um, like acknowledging that a little bit more, that might've been a little bit helpful too. Um, and I just say that both for you, if you go through that, or it maybe if you're working with somebody like, like help, like, you know, if they're, if they're feeling like they need it or they're asking for it, like offer a little bit of help as they're adjusting. Cause there really is an adjustment, um, emotionally, physically after that kind of thing too. Um, okay, guys, is there anything else you would like me to mention about supporting people through this? Okay. Um, it feels like the guides want me to touch on just kind of like the bigger picture of it as we leave it on this. I think it's already kind of been a long episode. Um, I've heard some really beautiful things about like other channelers and psychics talking about miscarriage and pregnancy loss and that whole thing. Um, I, I think everybody's journey with, you know, why that happens or purpose that comes out of that is going to look very unique and different. Um, I will say I heard Mystic Michaela talk on her podcast about how she always feels a very strong sense of gratitude from the like, little spirit baby that the mother allowed them to have whatever amount of time that they did in the body and in utero, that there was something on like a spiritual level that was important for their soul journey in general, um, that there was something really beautiful and that they gained by the mother holding them for that period of time and that they feel so grateful that she did that um that they did that to hold the pregnancy and i think that that's really beautiful um the other thing that i heard that just like moved me to tears is that when you get pregnant um your baby the like the the embryo starts sharing its cells with you like you start like exchanging blood cells all that kind of stuff. And something that happens in pregnancies is like that magical stem cell thing that they're always talking about. That's like, like magically regenerative or whatever. The baby will send stem cells into the mother's body to help create healing wherever the mother needs healing so that they can stay really strong while bringing through the pregnancy. What this means is that literally like, like your baby cells become a part of your cells. Like your body takes in the imprint on like a, a cellular level from the baby 
when you become pregnant. How that translated is that even though you might not have ended the pregnancy with a baby, um, that baby is still a part of you. Still a part of you. You still carry that baby with you, like literally in your cells after you're pregnant. And this is for mothers who do you know, birth babies at the end and ones who didn't, like you always carry the gift from that baby in your cells moving forward. And I just think that that's so beautiful. All right, everyone. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I felt the love that you were like sending me while listening to this the whole time I was recording this. I want to thank you for that. Um, I want to thank you for your openness and your curiosity and listening to this story both for whether that's for yourself and like future experiences you may or may not have or whether that's curiosity of like about people who go through this kind of thing or um you know you know being able to support other people or even just like what I learned from the experience like your openness and like sharing this space and hearing this story um is very special. It's very generous. So thank you for listening. Um, and just like my usual, my usual stuff at the end of it. Um, if you resonate with how, you know, I talk about processing things or, you know, how I meet myself and like relate to myself and my experiences and how I work with the guides to bring through information to help me like process and move through things. Um, I do work with people one-on-one. Um, I have one-on-one channeling sessions. Um, I have coaching programs. By the time this comes out, I don't know if it'll be between coaching programs, but at the very least you will be able to get on the wait list um, for doing one-on-one work, which would be really a spending a extended period of time working through like processing and healing, um, healing for the sake of you finding whatever you want, whether that's peace, joy, abundance, bliss, whatever it is, um, authenticity. Um, and I really love being able to work with people to help kind of point them back to themselves and, um, find all of the things that they want in this life. So, um, for all of that, please go to my website, healingwithbrie.net. Anything that's available will be there. Um, if I'm having any group programs that are opening up, which I do by the time that I'm recording this, I'm like in the creation process of even creating like kind of like a group experience um, over the span of a couple of weeks. So just check out on healingwithbrie.net or follow me on Instagram at healingwithbrie.net. All the updates there, lots of other fun content. Uh, and finally, while you're in this podcast app, wherever you're at, please like, follow or subscribe the episode. Please rate the podcast, please. That's so helpful. Um, a lot of times you can just like rate it with the stars, even without leaving a review. But if you would like to leave a review, that would also be very helpful. (laughs) Um, so thank you for doing all of those things above. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, let me know your thoughts and, um, I will see you next week.